Welcome to All My Children Wear Fur Coats with Peggy Hoyt. Our goal is to keep loved pets in loving homes by educating pet parents about the importance of ensuring every pet has a forever home. For more information about creating a legacy for your pet or to listen to archive shows, visit AnimalCareTrustUSA.org or LegacyForYourPet.com. Join your host, author, estate planning attorney, and animal advocate, Peggy Hoyt. Pet lovers, welcome to All My Children Wear Fur Coats. I'm your host, Peggy Hoyt, and this show is brought to you by the law offices of Hoyt and Bryan, where we create estate plans for pets and their people. Also brought to you by Animal Care Trust USA, a not-for-profit organization dedicated to keeping loving pets in loving homes. And you can find us on the web at Act for Pets. That's A-C-T, the number four, pets.org. And Giving Tuesday is coming up, so if you're so inclined, um, we would appreciate you checking out our website and making a donation. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing you to our special guest and my friend. Her name is Catherine Harvey, and she is a certified professional dog trainer from the Certification Council of Professional Trainers a faculty member at the International College of Canine Studies, a presenter at the Pet Alliance of Central Florida, and author of the class Instinct Leading to Balance and Obedience. She's also the owner of Positive Canine, a dog behavior modification and dog training company. Kathy, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me, Peggy. I'm very, very happy to be with you today. Well, and you have so many interesting credentials that um, I hope that you'll tell us a little bit, Kathy, about the International College of Canine Studies. Mm. That is an amazing school. Uh, it's a school that uh, is, I mean, used to be in uh, Colorado and now has been moving, and it's in an online school uh, in, I believe, Wyoming. Um, and that's how I basically began, you know, learning about dog training. Um, and I took my exam with them for the uh, certification of council of um, dog trainers. And the, the wonderful thing about this organization is that all the faculty members are true, absolutely true professionals in all kinds of fields. So it could be someone trying to help you with massaging a dog, to working with a hunting dog, to training a service dog, to doing so many things that um, the dog world has to offer. So basically, the knowledge that they are offering is very wide, and that's what I really, really like that. Um, my specialty when I got to be with them after getting into that certification of training, I wanted to get into behavior, and it is thanks to them that I got certified National Association of uh, Animal Behavior Consultants after, you know, doing courses with them on behavior. So that's another specialty that they added to, um, to their uh, portfolio. And um, I've never stopped since. So we're still, you know, being in touch with them and obviously uh, sponsoring with our Facebook page their, um, their classes because it's not open only for professionals but also for dog owners. Oh, Good. So uh, mm -hmm. dog owners who are interested in becoming um, more skilled at the training of their dogs can uh, benefit from that. Absolutely. That's, that's, the, that's the key. Because most, I mean, most of the classes are done in a way that anyone could understand them. 
Oh, that's excellent to hear. Well, mm -hmm. I want to know, too, a little bit more about your class, Instinct Leading to Balance and Obedience. That sounds like mm -hmm. a very interesting title. Well, yes. And this one was uh, renamed uh, from the dog's point of view after I had made some uh, addition to it uh, last year because I added um, a chapter about force retraining. And the way the reason um, we, we wrote that class is because I was not satisfied with the uh, paradigm of traditional dog training where the dog had to heal, the dog had to do whatever we were, he was told. And to me, a dog had more of a personality, was more of a living creature as a whole and needed to be respected as such because a dog is not to be kept in a home doing, doing nothing all day. So that's, that's what prompted me to write that class. Obviously, uh, as you can tell, I'm, I'm not from this country, so I did have some challenges, but um, I made it through, okay? And uh, hopefully people will understand what, I, you know, what my passion was all about. And in this class, I'm really telling the key of dog training is the relationship that you're going to get with your dog is the trust, it's the respect, is what you're going to give your dog. You're going to get, you're going to get, that, get that tenfold back from your dog. Um, and it's not a robot. It's not a refrigerator. You don't activate it with a remote control. It's a living creature living with you who has empathy, who has wonderful emotions, um, and just would like to connect. And a lot of people do forget about that. But... If you are a true love owner, you know, like you, Peggy, as you know, and like myself, uh, I find that connection so rewarding and actually very simple. Um, connecting with a human being can be extremely difficult because there's always that, mm, what do they have behind their head or what are they, you know, going after? But with a the dog, they're not going after anything. Whatever you see is whatever you get. So there is not that mind game. And um, they are very, very true. You know, when they look at you, when they are with you, you're, you just feel so good about being with them. So that's what really I wanted to kind of show the public. This is who your dog is going to be. And so let's make it good for the dog through, you know, technique of what I would call emo emotional management, which is giving the dog what they need, which means exercise, or uh, looking at the breeds of your dog. For example, if you have a hunting dog, this dog is not going to be able to automatically heal by your side when you're walking them. They're probably going to be in front of you trying, you know, nose down to figure out where the next squirrel is coming from. Um, and some, you know, in some culture, that can be a problem because, you know, owners are told, well, you have to have the dog by your side or else. And I think that paradigm is old and out-fashioned. Your pet is a pet. It's not a show dog. And, you know, if you want them to be happy, they've got to have their own time to just be themselves. And I always tell people, when we go on a walk, it is their Facebook, their TV, their um, phone, and they are going to communicate through all kinds of signs that they're going to leave behind, such as, you know, urination, defecation, uh, for stretching, that kind of thing, um, so that they know, um, hey, you know, I've been here and I know this dog was there before me, and it's it's really their world. They're exploring a new world. It's like going, going uh, like us going to the mall. You know, 
if I were to tell you, well, Peggy, we're going to have to go to the mall, but you're going to have to hold my hand, and we are not going to stop. We're not looking at any shop window whatsoever, and we're just going to get through that. Well, I promise you, you know, let go back to the mall with me ever again. Because right. what's the point? Yeah, that right? would seem a little unfair, of course. Yes, yes. You won't be able to spend all your money and looking at all the shop windows. We have the same thing for dogs. Dogs need to stop. It's not a, you know, if you want to exercise and you don't have a husky, you're going to have a hound dog. Well, he's going to be more, you know, nose down than running. So it's going to be not the right dog for you to exercise with. So you really, they really have to have, you know, time for themselves to be able to do the things that they love to do. Otherwise, you're trying to get a creature to fit in our box. And our box is our culture. We, you know, we have our lives, but they're not going to have any lives because they're going to be in the house doing nothing all day long. And this, that type of um, nonchalance on the owner's side is really going to create some uh, anxiety um, in the dog's mind because they have absolutely nothing to do. Right. So that's, that's very important. And that's what really what I wanted to show. And obviously the fourth retraining chapter was how can you achieve those things uh, if you want just to do pure training through operant conditioning through um, positive reinforcement. Well, and I know that positive reinforcement is really the uh, your catchphrase for how you want the world to interact with dogs. And I, and I really admire you for that. Um, I, you did make me chuckle, though, Kathy, because you said that dogs really don't have a, um, a secondary agenda. And uh, that mm -hmm. made me laugh because, like, when I sit down for to have a sandwich, I think my dogs do have a secondary agenda. <laughs> You're right. That's probably the only time. Because <laughs> <laughs> they start doing all kinds of things, dancing and um, twirling and barking and doing all kinds of little watch me techniques to uh, see if they can't get a reward. But I guess that's, that's probably because they have me pretty well trained. Absolutely, because you're reinforcing that behavior every time. So now we're back to training. So they are very obvious in what they are doing. <laughs> they are very obvious about it. That is true. Um, so I, I love what you said about, um, you know, going to the mall. And, and we have to remember that when we take our dogs mm -hmm. out, that um, this is their opportunity to interact with the world and to smell and to see and to sniff and to do all of the things that dogs do. And I know that you're a big proponent of um, free walking, or mm -hmm. I don't know what you call it, but um, that's what I would call it, um, where I remember one time you took me out in the woods with my dogs and we had everybody off going for a walk yes absolutely and you didn't need to take a xanax which was really good a lot that of my was really good to xanax, you know so i'm, I'm uh, glad you didn't bring my it, husband or i might have had <laughs> a xanax yes and it's it's you know following for a dog is something that is really innate and if you do a good job in terms of trust and and respect them as living creatures there is no reason for them not to follow you because sure. you know when they were puppies they were following their mommies and kids would do the same thing with us so i was basically taking advantage of uh, an instinct that they have and guide them slowly through the process of following us but still giving them the freedom to do whatever they wish to do but it's, it always has some limitation because i would say 
okay, you went too far, then I'm going to call you back. And that's called an office recall, and I want you to come back. So when you're in the middle of your living room doing this, that's easy. There are no distractions. In the middle of the woods, that's a little bit more questionable because if you have a beagle, your chances of having that done are slim. So what I use in those instances is to have what we call a training leash, uh, which is, can be 50 or 75 feet uh, long, which allow dogs some freedom and also to be safe you know, with us. But most of the dog, I mean, especially my dog, I wouldn't have absolutely uh, any problem for them to come back to me. So that, I thought that that's the ultimate that you can give a dog. And I give that to my dog every single day. And I think that's probably why they are so balanced. Um, walking on a free walking also has a, a wonderful way of giving dog choices. And um, in zoo training especially, animals have choices. And the choices is very easy. If you do what I'm telling you to be rewarded, and if you choose something else, uh, good, bad, or indifferent, nothing is going to happen. You're not going to be shocked. You're not going to be hit. There will not be any punishment, but you're not going to get rewarded. And at one point, the animal is going to have to think, well, is it really worth it for me to do this in order to get, you know, a reward? And um, just to change the subject uh, slightly from dogs to elephants, for example, um, elephants are very dangerous animals, very, very big. And uh, I was watching on the zoo uh, on television that the elephants were invited, not forced, invited every single day to take showers. And those showers, if they wanted they could go in or they could not. I mean, it, whatever they wanted to do. And every time they came, they, get, they got bananas. Um, every single time, uh, not one elephant never, never, did not, um, did never uh, refused to go and take a shower. It huh. was their choice. But when you have an elephant that is thousands of pounds, it's not like you can take a rope and say, well, excuse me, but we have to take a shower today and just grab the poor thing because you know you are going to put your life in danger. And that's what people don't understand. You're going to train dogs exactly the same way that you're going to be training an elephant or a seal or a dolphin or an orca or a snake. Same way. A human as well. I was going to we say, or do, maybe even a child, right? Absolutely. We all respond to what we call the quadrants of learning theory. Um, you know, we go to work. We get a paycheck. And when we go to the bank and cash that paycheck, that's a real reward. And I don't think if you were to volunteer with an organization and you don't get in the first week your free T-shirt, you're probably not going to continue doing it because you didn't get rewarded. So it works for humans. It works for dogs. I, I love your approach. And um, I, you know I have a lot of dogs. And um, in okay. fact... The way you and I got to know each other was because I had some what I would call, quote unquote, problem dogs. And mm -hmm. um, they liked to fight each other and they also liked to fight other dogs. And mm -hmm. um, and so we did have an opportunity to meet as a result of um, Fawn and Toby. And yeah, uh, I remember Fawn. Yeah, so that was a uh, that was very um, fortunate for me. Um, and I thought what was interesting was the first time that you came out, um, you just wanted to observe um, the mm -hmm. dogs and my spouse and myself and our interaction with the dogs. And um, 
I thought that was very telling. Do you, do you usually do that, Kathy, when you meet with somebody for the first time? I, I usually do this, Peggy, because uh, we are trained as behavior consultants to understand that behavior is in the environment. So this is why it's so important for me to come to your home and assess basically according to the environment of where the dogs are going to be and where the humans are going to be, why are they going to be acting that way? And if you wish at any moment, and it's true for any creature, to change someone's behavior or a dog's behavior, all you have to do is change environment. And that's one of the beauty about, you know, dog behavior modification is, um, and I'll give you a clue, as some, some kids that are autistic, if they're going to have at one point a crisis because of a, of, a, of a stimuli, then the first thing parents are going to do is to remove the child from that situation. And the dog is the same thing. If the dog is in the middle of... Um, um, I would say a thunderstorm and he's panicky because of the noise, the first thing you're going to do is to take that dog back into the house and hopefully into a safe place. And that fear is going to be subsiding. So if I observe your pack at your house, I'm going to be seeing things probably because they smell things that, you know, you have horses. So horses can be a trigger. But there's going to be spaces that also are going to create problems and other spaces that are not going to be creating problems. So it was very important to know who I was dealing with. And also, I'm a guest. So you don't want, you know, to be like a, a bull in a china shop and say, well, I'm here to do whatever it is, and uh, it's either my way or the highway. You have to be a, li a little bit more subtle, especially, you know, fawn being a rescue and having a lot of fear issues. You know, you had to really take her on her best side and also address, as I was mentioning earlier, her emotional management by taking her on, you know, free walk so that she could decompress, that she could, um, you know, be grounded with, with the earth uh, by, um, you know, walking in the sand, that kind of thing. So these are all things that are going to be very beneficial for her and kind of keep that cortisol level low and for her not to escalate where she needs to obviously have an argument with one of the pack members. Right, right. Well, those were those were interesting times, and um, I, I feel fortunate that we had an opportunity to meet in that way. And today I feel fortunate um, being able to share you with the listeners of All My Children um, Wear Fur Coats because you have a very positive mission. And in fact, the name of your organization is Positive Canine, P-A-W-S-I-T-I-V-E, Canine. And you can be found at pawcanine.com. But tell us a little bit about the underlying mission of your organization. So um, I, I started Positive Canine, and I got involved into the source-free trainer network of Central Florida because um, I was told that certain trainers, and re remember our uh, industry is not regulated, so anybody can be a trainer. Tomorrow, if you want to be a trainer, you can say, you know, Hoyt and Brian, training class, everybody would come, but you don't have any credential, it doesn't matter, you can be a dog trainer. Right. And I saw a lot of faults into this, and also what I saw is a lot of um, consumers being uh, misled by claims of certain trainers saying, you know, we can fix 
your dog behavior. Now, fixing is a big word, and fixing would be better for a fridge than for a dog. Um, and some people just, you know, fall into the trap, and because they are so emotionally involved, you know, with their dog being aggressive, they'll just go anywhere. Uh, some of these people say, hey, you know, my, my, my program is guaranteed, so it's a guarantee that your dog will stop being aggressive, and they are going to be using very aversive uh, training methods such as uh, the shock collar, um, which is very cruel, um, and it causes so much stress and so much uh, emotional damage. Um, by the way, um, the, it's well accepted in the United States, but it is totally banned uh, in Denmark, Norway, Sweden, Austria, Switzerland, Slovenia, Germany, and partially in Australia, Canada, and also in Finland. So most of Europe has decided, you know, this is not for us. Um, and pets with aggression, uh, it's absolutely not recommended. Because what you do when you, it's basically abuse. Because what they're going to do is shock the dog and give pain, okay? Pain that is going to be creating stress, which is going to create the elevation of cortisol. When this happens, the, the dog is going to uh, have what we call cessation. The behavior stops. But it doesn't mean that the dog is able to learn because elevation of cortisol means what? I'm going to be accessing the sympathetic nervous system, which is the fight or flight, and then I can think. So if the poor dog, every time he's trying to do something, which he doesn't know, has no clue to know when the shock is going to be administered, is probably going to start panicking at one point. Um, and so the dog is not taught to do an alternative behavior, which is exactly how you should do behavior modification. So if you do it through positive reinforcement, it would be, okay, um, I don't want you to bite that dog, but I want you to look at me. Please do not bark at the dog, look at me. And you can do this, okay? You can also use uh, desensitization counter conditioning, which is uh, a behavior modification technique um, doing uh, gradual exposure to a fearful stimuli. And that's used, you know, uh, in all, all scientific um, uh, staff. They all do that. Um, but in terms of um, what I wanted to say about the, the shock collar, so the dog has stopped to do the behavior, but he's unable to learn a new behavior. So he's being punished and punished and punished and punished. There is no way out of that. When you continue on just doing punishment without any way out, what will happen is that the poor dog is going to have some psychological, and, um, um, psychological pain and also stress. And they can start vocalizing. They can start urinating, defecating. They're going to try to flee, but they can because they are on a, on a leash. And if they cannot flee, they're going to start biting again. Some will totally shut down, um, and that's very, very sad. And in very severe cases, uh, they can have muscle contraction and respiratory cardiac paralysis. So this is more abuse. It's very cruel. Um, people don't realize what they are doing to their dog. And when... I have, personally, Peggy, I have seen many dogs coming to me after treated for three months on shock collars. Mm. It is a disaster. Those poor dogs are so scared. I, they, they can't even look at you, just so scared. Uh, so obviously, they, you know, 
the human films were very, very bad. Um, and we have to reteach them everything. They have to retrust again. They have also to understand the world again. Because what happened when you shock a dog, not only the dog is, you know, feeling pain, but is also associating everything around the pain, such as the handler or the location where they are or the weather with the pain and the stress. So that's why it's what we call contextual conditioning, and it's really detrimental to the dog. So meaning if you have a dog that was shocked and now he's not shocked anymore, but he goes back to an area similar where he was stressed and, and he had uh, air, um, feel the pain, he will be, again, very anxious just because of contextual conditioning. Mm-hmm. Well, that makes that sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, it's, that's, that's why you just, it's so detrimental to the dog. You don't see any zoo uh, keeper doing that to any of their animals because they would not live the day. They would absolutely not live the day. So it, it just, it's just not an effective strategy at all. Um, you know, it's physically and psychologically, the, the dogs are totally, they're totally destroyed. And I always tell my clients, you know, if you have two teachers and you have the choice, you have the, you know, a shock collar teacher on one side, you've got the M&M teacher on the other, which one are you going to take? Well, obviously, everybody's going to go to the M&M. Really? Why would you do that? Well, because I don't want to feel the pain. And, right. and still, they will go with their dog to, you know, to do to that reversive because they have been um, kind of sold on the idea that it would solve their problem. But when you dig deep into the scientific uh, studies, uh, unfortunately, it is the opposite because it creates a lot of aggression in the future. Whatever you're going to stop right now doesn't mean it's stop. It is just in suspension, and it can reappear at any time because in our world, punishment is not extinction. And people think, oh, if I stop the behavior, it's going to be instinct forever. No, it will reappear. That's why positive reinforcement is so much better because you always reinforce the behavior that you want. And this can never be instinct unless you stop reinforcing. Right. So you can't just, right. once, you, once you've trained your dog with a positive reinforcement um, technique, then you have to continue that reinforcement as you go forward or the dog will get lazy just like the person gets lazy. Absolutely. You know, and in shows, you know, the dog has been very conditioned to that. Uh, but... With my puppy, I mean, it's, it's kind of silly to say, well, you know, how, and a lot of people say, well, you know, how long do I have to do treats? And I say, well, how long can you be paid if you, if you go to work? I mean, just tell me. I mean, next year they're going to stop paying you. Are you going to go back? And they said, of course not. And I said, well, that's the same thing for your dog. That's positive reinforcement. So the dog is doing something because he wants to, because he knows he's going to be rewarded. Now, you don't have to do it with food all the time because food is what we call a primary reinforcer, but there's others. You know, sexual production, reproduction is one, food is another, water is another, and uh, attention, uh, contact, petting, all these are primary reinforcers. So I always tell people, you don't want to look like a threat, a treat, a giant treat. And if you do not have food on you, 
it's okay because you have you and you can go to your puppy and say, you've done a fantastic job and you can pet it and just, you know, vocally praise them. So food is, if it's there, wonderful. If it's not there, well, we'll, we'll use something else. As long as it's positive, they'll be very happy to be with you. It is funny. Um, sometimes when I'm calling my dogs and I'm not getting an immediate response, instead of saying, come, I start saying, treat, treat. And then they come. <laughs> you see? And that's what we call a positive interrupter. That's, that's really what will make it. Uh, and that's exactly what I do with my, my dog. Uh, I got two. I've got, uh, she's barking at the fence because we have a dog in the back. So it's going to be, did you see the lizards? And it's like, big stop, because lizards are kings. Right. So I'm like, okay, where are they? And she said, well, I don't know. So I said, oh, I think I saw one. And she's gone, right? Forget the dog behind the fence. Now, if it's really, really hard to kind of uh, make her change her focus, then I would say, you want to eat. And that is, that is golden. So we go and have a, you know, a chewy stick, and she's very happy. But these are very, very good redirection because you are telling the dog, I want you to do this. Now, that's crystal clear. I want you to do this. And the dog says, sure, I'll do it. Now, if the dog, for whatever reason, doesn't do it, there's a good reason for it. Could be that maybe they saw a very stra- I mean, a, a dangerous animal, such as a snake. And this you will see, you will hear from the very high-pitched, high-repetition bark. That's kind of, you know, mom, there's something here. You need to come and see that. So there is always a reason. It doesn't have to be defiance. There's going to be some real reason sometimes for your dog not to uh, listen to you. I had an instance yesterday where I happened to walk out the door of my garage um, just as the FedEx truck was pulling up. And he came up to the end of the driveway out by the road, and it's probably... 200 feet from my house to the end of the road but as soon as the dog saw the truck they all took off running for the FedEx truck and I was calling like a crazy person come 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 and um two-thirds of the dogs stopped to come back and that darn little dachshund just kept on going but I finally got her attention and I was able to successfully call everybody back. But that was a moment of kind of panic for me because I knew she was going to run to the road. And mm-hmm. um, and maybe it was the sound of my voice getting a little panicked, which made her sound like, oh, no, my mom's like really scared. So I better come back. But um, mm-hmm. I was very grateful that um, she came back and managed to listen to me. That's good. And you can rehearse that. Basically, you know, the, the, the truck, what, what happened is that they were triggered by the truck. The truck is something very new. It's a very peaceful road on which you, you live. Right. Yep. Not, not much happens, right? So, wow, we have the event of the day. The truck and the man is coming to bring something. So, obviously, you know, if you had a bunch of kids, they would run to the guy because it's like the ice cream store. Right. And, um, and what you do at this point, because uh, let, me, let me translate that to something different, when the ice cream store came or truck came to our door, it was usually around 5.30 in the evening, about 30 minutes before dinner, I could have. I said to myself, I've got to figure a way to have the kids forget about the ice cream because otherwise we won't have dinner. Right. And every time he showed up, I associated the sound of the ice cream with Thomas the Train videos. And that 
did it. So what I did, I said, oh, can you hear the ice cream? Yes, we can. Guess what's on TV? Thomas the Train. And forget about the ice cream because Thomas the Train was more valuable than the ice cream. So with your dog, it was a value system. What was the value system? In the case of the dachshund, he may have found himself all by himself because everybody had gone back. He was the only one there. Mm-hmm. So he probably felt maybe not very safe, and you were um, that was that was more value for him to be with you and you know safer as well to come back rather than stay by the road waiting for the uh, for the truck. That could have been one thing. So you've done a really good job. Well, I need to do some better reinforcement. I think I got to work on that treat treat call a little bit better because um, I guess when I say that, I really want them to come immediately like there's danger you need to come now yes yes and that's that's something you rehearse and it's definitely true absolutely true and you give them you know i always have tricks in my pocket well yes you you would that's true that you're better i am for sure um or in your garage you could have yeah in your garage you could have that yeah i do actually keep them right there in the refrigerator in the garage and uh I should just carry some on me all the time, and that would be a very good thing. I want to just change the subject for a second because um, I'm looking at your website at pawk9.com, and you have mm-hmm. some uh, resources listed on your website. And one of the resources that you have listed is um, a reference to um, an author that I had the opportunity to read um, some of his books and um, one of them is called Merle's Door, and the author's name is Ted Carasote. And what a wonderful guy. What a wonderful set of books. Oh, um, my gosh. Amazing. I learned so much from his books. He has done a tremendous amount of research on the health and wellness of dogs. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, I felt like I was going to veterinary school for dogs, but enjoying the story at the same time. So um, if anyone's listening and they haven't read Merle's Door or Pucka's Promise, um, both of those, excellent. Absolutely. And that is the first time that he was talking about cancer, going with, you know, Merle's with his cancer. Also, um, he has some very interesting nutrition uh, Mm -hmm. information um, and I don't know if I did, I did not read uh, Puka's, uh, which was the dog that was actually following Merle's. Right. Um, but I think he may touch also on spaying and neutering. He may have done that. I'm not he sure. does talk about that some. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, yes, he mm-hmm. uh, he's a very interesting author. And um, just as a little aside, um, I was so taken with him that um, I actually sent him an email and he responded. Oh, yes, he does, because yeah. I did send him an email to let him know how touched I was by the end of his, of his, uh, of his book. And I, and I said, how, do you, how are you able to, to write such a poignant book, um, you know, after he passed? I, I, I mean, I was in tears. Right. And he said, but Kathy, he said, that allowed me to still be with Merle for another three years. Oh, right. As I was writing the book, and I thought that was so positive. That was, it was... a great way of looking at things. That was a very positive way. Well, and I hope, fingers crossed, and um, now that we're talking about him, maybe it'll come true. Um, I've invited him to be on the show, and so hopefully someday he will join us. I would love that. I'll be listening. 
Yes, definitely. All right. So thank you so much for these oh, wonderful my pleasure. Thank tips. You. And um, since we're um, approaching the holiday season, do you have any specific tips you'd like to leave us with um, regarding dogs and the holidays? Mm-hmm. Yes, and I'm not going to say the, the don't because every time you watch a list is don't do this and don't do that. We're going to talk about what should I do. Now, because of the lack of time and we're very, very busy, sometimes our dogs are, are going to feel a little bit left out. And I would still recommend for everyone to walk their dog daily and just to have fun with them. It is good for us to be out there uh, you know, smelling the fresh air. I mean, tomorrow is going to be fantastic. It's going to be 40 degrees. Um, fantastic for me, not for everyone, but I'm from the French Alps, so I love cold weather. Um, and for the dog, it's going to be a really, really nice uh, break from, uh, from the heat. So walk them, give them as much time as you need to and you can because the holidays are very stressful for them, especially when they have so many guests in the house and you know, you know how guests are. I just had a a phone call where one of my clients had uh, their guests come in, and and the dog actually snapped at both guests, both guests, and that was that was not a good Thanksgiving. So these are things we need to avoid. It maybe could have been avoided with more knowledge, um, but we need to be very in tune with our dogs. And one of the things I would recommend to everyone is to go on the internet and look at any video or even on my website where you are going to learn doggy body language. The dog body language is what is going to give you uh, an, uh, an eye into their emotion. And if you know their emotion, you can predict their behavior. And people usually say, oh, it just come out of nowhere, which is true. A dog before you know, biting will not move, will not blink, will not move a muscle, and it is just goes. Um, so you need to be aware of what the stress signals are going to be. So go on the Internet and, and you know, um, get yourself uh, some education about that. That is the number one thing uh, that uh, usually I, I propose uh, to all my clients, and I do have a video about that on my website. Okay, well, then I hope people will check out your website at pawk9.com. We've been talking today with Kathy Harvey, a certified professional dog trainer and um, an advocate of positive reinforcement training. And I hope that you will visit her website and check out all the information. Oh, Kathy, before we go, tell folks about your Facebook group. Yes, so we have a a Facebook page, uh, which I don't know the address. Isn't that great? Um, it's probably somewhere on my website. I think you can access it. And it is a Facebook page, which uh, it's a membership. And we talk, uh, it's, it's kind of a community of people, of dog lovers. And we all only talk about uh, the newest techniques. Obviously, everything is science-based. We talked about nutrition. We talked, obviously, about law uh, with you, Peggy. Um, and it's, it's very interesting the information are very true. They are verified, again, science-based. And we would love to have you uh, join us. And the uh, fee per month is $15. Excellent. Okay, well, it's very simple to find. It's at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash paw canine. Um, And it is a private group. So um, if you want to join the discussion about positive reinforcement,
and talking about other um, behavior modification philosophies and just good dog philosophies and sharing pictures of your beautiful pups and getting into a community of people that um, are very positive and forward thinking. Um, I hope you'll join us. Thank you, Peggy. You are so welcome. So thank you, Kathy. We really appreciate you being here. And I thank each of the listeners for um, joining us today on All My Children Wear Fur Coats. And I would encourage you to visit ACT for Pets, A-C-T, the number four, pets.org, for Animal Care Trust USA, where we keep loved pets in loving homes. And thank you for joining us. And we'll see you next time. And until then... um, you know my personal philosophy it is until there are none please adopt one and we'll talk to you later happy tales thank you for joining us on all my children wear fur coats with your host peggy hoyt we hope you learned something valuable for the benefit of your pet we want to keep loved pets in loving homes by educating pet parents about the importance of ensuring every pet has a forever home. Get more information about creating a legacy for your pet at AnimalCareTrustUSA.org or LegacyForYourPet.com. Buy a copy of All My Children Wear Fur Coats, How to Leave a Legacy for Your Pet on Amazon. Join our email list or make a donation. Pet professionals and advisors are invited to join our trusted advisor network. Until next time, happy tales!